Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. It's the Beckler and Shauna podcast. Your daily download of X929's X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Offering affordable customization on your new home. It's Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. I'm Beckler. Welcome to the Beckler and Shauna Pisscast. I'm going to keep this real quick because I got to make a phone call overseas for a segment I'm working on for tomorrow's show. Then I have to vacate the studio around 10 o'clock for Justin to come in. So uh, I won't even tell you what's coming up on the show today. We're just going to play your out-of-context clip, and then we'll get into it. Two hits, me hitting you, you hitting the floor, see? The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. It's Super Bowl Sunday this weekend. Super Bowl 58 from Las Vegas, Nevada. 49ers and Chiefs. I believe the 49ers are favored slightly in that game. I'm not an NFL fan, and... I usually, I usually don't even watch the Super Bowl. And McKenna's always like, oh, should we go to a Super Bowl party? I'm like, well, first it's a Sunday. And I'm not a big Sunday drinker either because you know, get up so early on Monday to come to work. So you're at this party and you're know, having beers. It's just like the longest football game in the world too, right? Because of all the, the pageantry around it. So I usually don't end up even really watching the Super Bowl. I'm like, if something big happens, I'll hear about it the next day. But it's such a big event that it feels wrong not to talk about it. So... I could pretend I know what I'm talking about, or we could get TSN football analyst Matt Dunnigan on it. It's a big weekend for football. Super Bowl 58, biggest football game of the football season. The 49ers, real good football team, and the Chiefs, also a real good football team. Two good football teams. Should be a great football game for football fans, but also lots of non-football fans watching football this weekend. That's great for the game of football, because the world needs more football. Football! The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. Have you realized that it's a leap year this year? Might as well leap. Go ahead and leap. Leap. That's a pretty bad joke, but uh, <laughs> it is such a, an odd phenomenon, isn't it? February 29th. Like this day that, it, that only exists one in every four years. There was an article in the Toronto Star, or I guess The Star, earlier this week, uh, talking about how salaried workers might be getting ripped off in leap years. This was the headline. Millions of Canadian salaried workers will essentially work for free on February 29th, saving corporations about $2 billion. Is it wage theft? So the argument is that there's, you know, you get paid the same every year, no matter what, but then this year... There's this extra day that you're not getting paid for. And I spent I, probably longer than I care to admit thinking about this and trying to think if that was a good argument or not. And I, I think it comes down to whether or not you're paid every two weeks or if you're paid twice monthly. Because if it's every two weeks, then it makes no difference. That just changes how the weeks shake out. And it just pushes your payday back by one day, but you're still paid for all the days that you work. If you get paid bi-monthly then I guess it depends on your perspective, doesn't it? You have to ask yourself, like, is your contract for a regular year with 365 days and you get hosed on a, on a leap year? Or is your contract for a leap year and you're hosing your employer the other three years? I think it's probably somewhere in between. 
And really, I was I feel like like since February only has 28 days normally as employees, we're getting the better deal here. Like if February had 32 days, I might agree with this article, but I get paid the same in February as I do in January despite February having three fewer days. So really that's seems like that's working in our favor the short month. I mean, an easy solution would be to make February 29th the public holiday. We could call it Cosmos Day or something. We could celebrate the Earth's imperfect orbit. Maybe have a few beers. And Shauna podcast. My wife McKenna was watching The Bachelor the other night. She used to watch The Bachelor all the time. She hasn't watched it for years, and I actually kind of forgot that show existed. Uh, so here I am with some hot Bachelor content many years after its, its relevancy. To be honest, it's taken me till now to, to think of this idea, but they always, if you're familiar with the show, they always do these amazing destinations for the dates with the bachelorette and stuff. You know, they're in, they're in tropical paradises and old European cities. But how do you really get to know someone in, in those environments? You know, if you've been in a relationship before, it's not, it's not the real good times where you see someone's true colors. It's when things go wrong. It's, it's when you run into trouble, when things aren't perfect. That's why I think The Bachelor or The Bachelorette should film in, like, the Paw, Manitoba in January. That'll test the old relationship. You know, rather than lying on a catamaran in Spain with a catered lunch and champagne flutes, your date is at the mixed Bonspiel, drinking warm OV. One of the locals is hitting on The Bachelorette. What do you do? Do you say something? Do you fight him? He's way tougher than you. There's no question. You're a pretty boy. This is the Paw. And then the interviews that they do where they reflect on the date back at the motel later, the bats are out. I just feel like for me, when that townie whistled at my boobs and Ben just stood there, I thought, is this the man I want to spend the rest of my life with? The Beckler and Shauna podcast. When you were growing up, did your parents have like preloaded threats that they would throw at you? Like phrases that they like to say to threaten you with discipline? I heard heard someone say the other day, "I'll tan your hide," and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's that one." Like to, to refer to like a spanking. It may have actually been me saying that to my kids. I'm not, I don't remember, but <laughs> "I'll tan your hide" is a funny one. I was trying to think of some of the ones my parents loved when I was growing up. "I'll give you something to cry about" was big, real big back then. Uh, "I'll knock you into next week." <laughs> "I'll knock your block off." Similarly, um, I will blank so fast your head will spin like i'll take that away so fast your head will spin they loved that one a friend mentioned and we brought this up to a friend they mentioned i brought you into this world i can take you out that one's crazy like, we're talking about murder here aren't we <laughs> uh, i always say to my kids i'll catch you up high with one when they're misbehaving I don't know what one is in this instance. Gordie Howe elbow, maybe. See, it's I, I subscribe to the Red Foreman style of parenting. Lots of threats, no follow-through. Very little follow-through. Red spent seven seasons of that 70s show threatening to put a foot in Eric's ass. And we never saw it happen. Maybe it happened off camera, but we never saw it. And it's funny because so many of these insults now, they sound old-timey, right? He's like, oh, box your ears in. You're cruising for a bruising, fella. Bang, zoom, strike to the moon. Two hits, me hitting you, you hitting the floor, see? podcast. When it comes to our frustrations over the, the price of groceries right now, can someone explain to me why Loblaws specifically receives most of the anger? I thought about this earlier this week. I had to go to a different grocery store. 
Because the cost of groceries is insane right now, no doubt. I mean, many items have quite literally doubled in price over the last few years. And with a, like, with a family like ours, the increased cost of groceries is probably the, like, the single biggest factor in the tightening of our household budget. But so many Canadians, at least based on what I read online and stuff, seem to be mostly mad at Loblaws over that. It's never Sobeys or Save-On or Walmart or Costco or Co-op, whose prices have also increased. If you, if you only listen to the discourse in Canada or if you only read any of the discussion online, you would have to conclude that Loblaws is the reason we all pay more for groceries. And why is that? Like, even if you buy the idea that expensive groceries are due to price gouging and not increased costs all along the supply chain, why does Loblaws get all of the hate specifically? I've actually witnessed this exchange on several occasions where, you know, someone's complaining about Loblaws. Someone else says, well, why don't you shop somewhere else then if Loblaws is so expensive? And they'll say, well, no, the other grocery stores are more expensive. You can't make that up. And they're, they're correct. The other grocery stores typically are more expensive than Loblaws. Like Superstore is usually our first port of call for groceries. But like I said earlier this week when I popped into a, a different grocery store, I couldn't believe how much more expensive stuff was than at Superstore. But the name of this grocery store is not the one that comes up when Canadians complain about how expensive groceries are. And that has never made sense to me. The Beckler and Shana Podcast. Okay, here are the potential explanations I've received from friends of the show as to why Loblaws might get the most hate of all the grocery stores despite probably being the cheapest. Um, I'll just read these. Because they do things like say we're locking in our prices for November and December. Aren't we great? That's just industry standard, though. They toot their horn and try to make themselves look good. So I do remember that. I remember when they said we're locking in our prices for the next three months and everyone's like, but your purchasing agreements are already in place. Like you've you've already purchased your product for the next three months. So you're not really like doing anything here. Like <laughs> they were going to be locked in anyway, weren't they? Um, so, okay, I can kind of understand that one. This is an interesting one. Didn't get a name, but they said the main reason Loblaws gets hit so hard is they offer no other services. We have to pack our own groceries and still get gouged. At least at Safeway and Sobeys, we get hit in the bank. But the customer service is top. It makes me feel better to pay more, I guess. And that is true. I mean, the other stores have presented themselves as like a more high-end grocery experience. So perhaps their customers don't mind the price hikes as much. The other thing I thought of is maybe maybe lower income people tend to shop at Superstore and then they feel each price hike more acutely. Whereas you're if like you're some well-to-do person who buys all your groceries at co-op or Safeway or you don't notice the price increases as much because you just don't care. Could that be it? Friend of the show, Ray Lynn, says maybe the reason they get the most heat is because the real Canadian Superstore falls under the Loblaws banner, and they're the ones that are always boasting about their prices being so low. And this isn't the case right now because everywhere is expensive. True, but I still think that Superstores and like no frills and stuff are cheaper than some of the other ones. So this is maybe the uh, best explanation from friend of the show, Russell. He said, the general populace's IQ is much, much lower than any one person. Same for grocers. A politician probably used Loblaws as an example. And alone we are sand, united we are mud. We'll leave it at that, Russell. Speaking of price increases, uh, when Shane Wenzel from Shane Holmes was on the podcast, I think week before last, he was talking about how their sales team has been with them for a long time and as a result are able to kind of forecast what the price of your finished home is going to be so that there are really no surprises. It, what you agree upon is typically what you end up paying. Um, 
But if that is one of your concerns about building a house, building a new, starting the build process in such a volatile housing market that goes up and down, mostly up, <laughs> like crazy, um, talk to Shane Holmes about that. Let them, put, let them put your mind at ease. And you can do that by getting in touch with them through their website, shanehomes.com. Shane Holmes, the better way to build. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. I've mentioned on the show that I'm reading, the, or I'm listening to this audio book right now by a guy named uh, Peter Zahan. It's called uh, The End of the World is Just the Beginning, and it's a super dark read. It's, he's talking about how he pre- he's predicting society will collapse within the coming decades and that all of the best times for humanity are behind us. So it's a, it's a somber read, but uh, eye-opening one because learning about some of the issues in the world that I didn't really uh, think about before this. But when, you know, with all that, so I'll spend, you know, like four or five hours in a day listening to this, this guy talk about how everything's going to hell. This would be a perfect time for an exercise that Shauna and I do called, what are you grateful for? Which is counting your blessings. And we often do it when the news is getting us down or when we've selected an audio book that's a total bummer. So what are you grateful for? I'm grateful for the great school my son goes to because he's getting along great with his teachers and he's doing great there. So I'm happy. Oh, well, that's a fantastic one. Yeah. Has he had some issues in the past or has it just always been a good school for him? No, it's always been a good school. So awesome. He's, yeah, yeah. What school is that? St. Mary's. St. Mary's. Well, shout out to the fine staff at St. Mary's School who's doing a great job with uh, with your kid. I'm grateful for So my uh, my wife and kids are going away this weekend, and spending time with them is my absolute favorite thing in the whole world. It's where I would usually like to be if I have any free time at all. But when you are a dad, your free time is worth its weight in gold. Like Justin and I were talking about this recently because he's got two small kids and stuff. And of course, you, you love your family and you want to spend all the time you can with them. But on those rare moments where you do just get like a little bit of time to yourself, whew, it's nice. It's real nice. So uh, I'm grateful for the alone time I'm going to have this weekend. The Beckler and Shauna Podcast. This is the time of year when I start to daydream about summer a bit, start to make big plans. I mentioned yesterday ahead of the uh, Calgary Boat No Door show this weekend, and I'm starting to think about my summer camping plans and stuff. Here's a question for you. This is part of my daydreaming today. Realistically, how long would it take to canoe from Calgary to Saskatoon? Because I'm from Saskatoon, so I'm saying, and I live fairly close to the Bow River here, so if I walked down to the river, put a boat in the water with a bag full of supplies, how long... Under ideal conditions, let's say you went early in the season, so the river's running high, and maybe not this year because we're having some uh, some drought issues. But like typical flow rate, how long would it take me to get to my hometown of Saskatoon and have my parents pick me up there? Is that realistic? Like, are we talking days, weeks, months? Would I get eaten by wolves on the way? Okay, I got a bit more information on this potential trip from friends of the show and from. Uh, some of my buddies in a group chat we're talking about this morning. Um, friend of the show, Mitch, said he's thought of a similar trip, but his idea was to go all the way to Hudson Bay. He said it would be weeks, if not months, just to get to Saskatoon. Mitch said, when I float from Lake Louise to Banff, it's 54 kilometers. I do it over two days, but it's about 11, 12, 12-ish hours worth of float time, unless if you are actively paddling. So that reminds me of, there was a story a few years ago about this kid from Canmore. I think the kid was 15. And he had taken a summer job up near Hudson Bay and decided to get out there by canoe. And it did take him months. And I don't remember how he sustained himself along the way, but like 
the, the stones on that kid, 15 years old, crossing a good chunk of Canada by canoe by yourself. Wow. Mitch says you got to think about dropping off supply caches along the way before you do the trip. And also you float through a number of reserves. You probably have to ask permission uh, from the reserves themselves if you can float through their waters. Then there's dams and weirs to worry about. Yeah, uh, that's maybe a little more ambitious than I considered. But in my group chat, um, some friends were saying, my friends were saying that a, a long day of paddling, you can cover about 70 kilometers. And apparently the length of the Bow River is about 700 kilometers. So if you're putting in long, full days, you could cover the bow in 10 days or so under ideal conditions. And then the bow meets up with the South Saskatchewan at a place called Bow Island. And that's in the southeastern corner of Alberta. So you're not even in Saskatchewan yet at that point, And you got a long way to go still. Because it's, it's easy to forget that, you know, like 600 kilometers by road is a lot shorter than covering that same distance by river because the river meanders so much. It bends back and forth. So the route is actually a lot longer. It's kind of like how, if you've ever looked on a map, roads aren't nearly as straight as train lines. Like the train lines, they go pretty damn straight, whereas roads do kind of noodle around certain things. And I would guess that the river probably slows down the further east that you get. Is that how rivers work? So this would be an ambitious trip. Maybe one for what I'm retired instead, but how cool, man. I know a guy, I uh, was chatting with him this summer, who provided boat support years ago for a team of Métis paddlers. And I forget where they went. It was, it was a long way. I want to say it was maybe Alberta to Manitoba. It took 60 days. And he, had like, he has like a flat bottom river boat that he followed along with and provided like evacuation for anybody who needed it or like resupply and stuff. And he said it was just the journey of a lifetime. So... Something to look forward to when I'm old, maybe. The and Shauna podcast. I saw this headline in my travels this week. Politics threatens to spoil 2024 Olympics. Emmanuel Macron's sports extravaganza faces tense geopolitical moment. So this headline is predicting that the 2024 Olympics in Paris this summer are going to be spoiled due to tense geopolitics. And I read this headline. I thought, oh, boy, here we go. Here we go. Here's another one for you. Heat wave risk hovers over Paris Olympics. Like the games are still six months away. And they're already saying that a heat wave could pose a Like you got weather data that far out. Here's something that I've noticed in all my years working in media in Olympic years. There is always some existential threat to the Olympics leading up to it. And for some reason, media loves to fixate on that. Like, I don't know if it adds a bit of excitement to the anticipation of the games or something, but it seems like every Olympics that I have been conscious for, there's been some major threat leading up to it that the games are going to be a disaster because of. The venues aren't ready. The athletes' villages are still under construction. The water in the pools is green. All the athletes are going to get sick and die. And I know I'm missing some. I just haven't cataloged them over the years, but as soon as I read that headline, I was like, okay, so these are going to be the things that threaten to spoil the Paris Olympics. I don't know what this phenomenon is, why we do this. I don't get it. And when you think about it, historically, the Olympics were hosted by Nazi Germany, uh, also Moscow during the Cold War. So this isn't the first time the games have been held during, quote, tense geopolitical moments. And Paris is far from the hottest city that's ever hosted the games either. 
It's always going to be a disaster, and then it never is. The games usually go off without a hitch. Well, I guess Munich was pretty rough. That one, that's the exception. But that, I mean, that incident was a hell of a lot worse than the athlete's village lacking amenity. You've been listening to the Beckler and Shauna podcast. Brought to you by Shane Holmes. Offering affordable customization on your new home. You want more? Then tune in to X Mornings with Beckler and Shauna live on Calgary's Alternative. X92.9. Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Mountain Time at X92.9.ca. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and have Beckler and Shauna downloaded daily to whatever device you use. Later. After Hours with Mariah and Ty, a weekly podcast that brings this dynamic duo to another level of awesome and allows you to listen on your own terms. Go behind the curtain and hear the stuff you won't hear on the radio. Like, f they're going to say f Find After Hours with Mariah and Ty wherever you get your podcasts.